0: Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's Word and consider how it applies to our lives. How many of you are really good at packing when you go on a trip? Raise your hand, just lift your hand because I like to get with you. Um, Julie's a really good packer and when we travel... She will only take what she needs, and when she comes home, she has worn everything that she brought. Now, me, on the other hand, I just throw in there what I might possibly need. I feel like if I can fill my suitcase or maybe a backpack like this, that why not, right? Because you're going to need it, you might need it, and you hate to be somewhere and not have whatever it is that you need. And there's always a question whether we take this bag right here. Because this backpack is our camera bag. And we should we load it up with extra stuff because it fits everywhere? Do we need it? That's always the question. But when you have a backpack like this, it can get kind of heavy. As you're walking through airports or you're walking wherever it is you're going, this is getting heavy. I don't know if I really needed to have this with me. This morning, we're going to talk about some things that we may need to put down. We may need to let go of some things, and we may need to relieve ourselves of some things that are just too heavy that we shouldn't be carrying anyway. So I want to ask you, are there some things in your life that you need to let go of? There's some things in your life that you need to let go of. Some of those things that we need to let go of that we want to hold on to often are things that don't honor God. There's some things in our lives that we we just want to hold on to because we're afraid we might need them. And we're going to look at that as we consider Mark chapter 4.34, verse 35, and then 5 and following. Uh, This is a new series beginning for the next three weeks, and it's called... Maximum power, mixed results. And what we've just seen in, this book, in the book of Mark, previous to this, we did this a few weeks ago, As we took a break for the last six weeks to talk about getting caught up, and now we're back in the book of Mark. And what Mark has just done is he's, he's had Jesus teaching four parables about seeds and soils, Remember the parable of the soils? There were different kinds of soils, and some of it was, was, uh, was really hard, like sidewalks. Some of it was rocky. Some of it had weeds, and only some of it was good. And it seems that the kingdom of God is compared to these seeds, which makes it seem kind of vulnerable, doesn't it? Jesus is trying to tell them that the kingdom is powerful, but it's going to take a while to grow. And for some people, they won't actually get it. Some of the seed won't produce, right? And it seems like the kingdom is not this powerful force of this this hard power of, of swords and military, but the kingdom of God is something that's more subtle, that grows, that seems almost vulnerable. And so he's trying to help them understand that. And then Mark goes right from that to some incredibly powerful displays of Jesus, overwhelming, maximum power. As he is just in, uh, in, in Mark 4, 35 and following, he has talked about Jesus calming a storm. He leads them into the storm. We talked about this around Dorian. And he leads them into the storm, and Jesus is in the boat, right? And the storm comes, and they're like, we're going to perish. Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Jesus says, where's your faith? Do you not know who I am? And he calms the storm. And they say, who could this be that even the weather pays attention to Jesus? And so their their minds are kind of probably looking at, man, on one hand, (laughs) he's saying this is like the the seed. On the other hand, we have Jesus who controls the weather, controls the atmosphere. It's amazing. And now we come to another act of the power of Jesus as he addresses the problem of evil. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And let's look at how Jesus deals with evil and how people respond to it. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. This is right after Jesus has calmed the storm. This is, he has just done this incredible deed, this incredible miracle. Chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And what he's saying here is this, Most of of Israel is along the coast, the western coast of the Sea of Galilee and along the western side of the Jordan River and all the way down into the Dead Sea. But on the other side of the uh, lake, on the uh, eastern side, is the land of the Gentiles. And so this is where Jesus is intentionally going, to the other side of the lake, where he's going to encounter the Gentiles. In this case, it's a town called Gerasene, and the people are known as the Gerasenes. And in verse 2... Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. It's a pretty, pretty terrifying image, isn't it? Can you imagine this person? Jesus shows up in this land, and as he gets out of the boat and he steps onto dry ground, this man runs up with this evil spirit. And it's, it's, it's a guy who has really three things going on in his life. First, he lives among the tombs and to us that seems really odd Um, the tombs were a place where they would put bodies to decay and then once the body would had decayed for a a long enough time that really all was left was bones they would gather the bones and put them in what was known as a, a bone box and would take up a lot less room and then they would reuse the tomb and so he's literally living in these places that are full of decaying bodies for us it would be like living in a cemetery only a lot worse and what he's doing is he's, he's living in a place where he probably can be uh, somewhat able to do what he wants to do, but he's terrifying everyone. And he is incredibly strong. They have found the need to bind him. And it says that they would bind him with a chain, they would bind him with shackles, but no one was able to restrain him anymore. And the picture is that he was continuing to get stronger and stronger and stronger so that he was completely out of anyone's control. That's the picture of evil associated with death and getting stronger and stronger and stronger and out of control. And what he would do was he would, he would cry out and he would cut himself. And the idea is what he's trying to do is let them know, I don't care about pain to myself. And I just want to terrorize everybody. This is the picture of evil. Very overt, uh, very uh, terrifying, and confrontive. But watch what happens as Jesus arrives on the scene in verse 6. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out in a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? Even evil comes down and recognizes who Jesus is. Don't you love that picture? Even... A man filled with evil spirits, when Jesus comes on the scene, recognizes who Jesus is, and falls down before him with great fear. Let me ask you, are you afraid of evil? Do you understand the power of Jesus relative to evil? That this man, who we'll see in a moment, is filled with evil spirits, comes and falls down? down before jesus and begins to beg him and tells him don't torment me i, I don't want i don't want you to torment me i, I, I jesus and there's a sense that they are all ready conquered right they don't have the power They're, the conquering is about to be completed when jesus goes to the cross but they are subject to jesus don't torment me for he was saying to him come out of this man he's trying to remove him he's about to remove him from this man and Jesus asked him in verse 9 what is your name and he replied my name is legion for we were for we are many and he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country so here's what's happening he comes to Jesus. Jesus asks him his name. He, he, he shares Jesus' name. He knows who Jesus' name is. And knowing someone's name in that culture has a way of controlling them. If you know their name, you can kind of get some power over them. And Jesus says to him, what is your name? And he says, my name is Legion. Well, that's probably not a common name. It's not a real proper name. He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. He's probably not answering the question. When you say your name is a legion, it's like saying my name is thousands. That's literally what it means. And because uh, in the Roman army, a legion was 1,000 a, was a to 6,000 soldiers. Really maxed out at 6,000 would be an entire Roman legion. And um, he's saying, there, there's, I want you to know, Jesus, there's a tremendous amount of evil in this one man. And that's what Mark's trying to communicate to us. This man has unbelievable amount of evil in him, overwhelming evil He says, my name is Legion, for there are many. So in one man, there are many, many demons. There's an incredible concentration of evil in this one man. And watch what he does. He says, don't torment me. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country and what he means by that is don't send us somewhere else and there's a a fear on behalf, on behalf of the evil that he's going to send them to another place and send them ultimately to the lake of fire to the pit that they all will wind up in don't take me out yet it's almost like the teachers arrived and says your fun is over right jesus said you can't have any more fun you've you've abused everybody's so we're going to take care we're ending this right here jesus what are you doing here There's great fear from the demons, And Jesus says this in verse 11. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding uh, there on the hillside. So they begged him saying, send me to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. So. He says to him, listen, I want to go, let let us go into these pigs because he doesn't want to be, they don't want to be sent out of the country. Let us go into these animals and uh, uh, let let us do that, Jesus, instead of sending us away completely, give us another place, another home. Jesus says, yes. Now, as you know, if you're Jewish or you know uh, the, the Old Testament, you know that pigs were unclean and that they were an animal not to be eaten by God's people. So there's a sense of this unclean pigs. These unclean pigs are going to receive this, these spirits. And so Jesus allows them to go into uh, the swine. And they immediately rush down this hillside and possibly off a cliff and into the water of the Sea of Galilee. And the text says that they drown, which is really interesting because if you've ever been to the Bahamas, you know that pigs can swim. Did you know that? I can. Anybody see proof of that? And and I understand the pigs did survive Dorian, so that's it's a good thing. The pigs can swim, so it's interesting. So what we have here is demons entering the swine and rushing over a hillside, possibly a cliff, into the water, and they drown. Meaning, even though they could swim, they drown which the indication is not only that there won't be any bacon that day, but that the spirits have drowned the pigs. And you kind of take away from it, Why why would this evil spirit want to drown the pigs? What's the point in that? Understand that what the evil spirits were doing at the time was terrorizing people and showing them that they needed to obey the evil spirits. It's kind of like, We were traveling in rural Haiti uh, several years ago and we talked to a voodoo priest. We understood how that somewhat about how that functions and one of the ways that they control the people is to terrorize them and anything that's bad that happens they say that they put a hex on them and cause that to happen so if you don't want to get sick you pay off the voodoo priest or you bring him chickens or you take care of him or you minister to him and that's that's how they're able to control the people and that's exactly really what the picture is here the evil spirit wants them to know that one I can terrify you But also, it's going to be really costly to get rid of me. Interesting, isn't it? Evil can terrorize us, but it wants us to know that it's going to be costly to get rid of it. So it's kind of like their last thing hey, listen, you may get rid of us, but it's going to cost you. And incidentally, 2,000 pigs, today's dollars, any idea? Close to $2 million. Close to $2 million. It's a lot of money. Someone just lost $2 million because Jesus showed up, essentially, which kind of plays into how they respond. The pigs wind up in the water. They all drown. Verse 14, And the herdsmen fled and told in the city and in the country. They told it in the city and the country. And the people came to see what it was what, that had happened. And they came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man and the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described it to them, what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus, get this, they began to beg Jesus to deal with their sin, to deal with the rest of the evil in the community. To deal with, with my own issues? No. They beg Jesus to depart from their region. Take that in for a moment. Here's Jesus. He's come and he has dealt with the most evil thing, this, this incredibly, uh, incredibly powerful concentration of evil. Jesus has gotten rid of it. This one that would scream out in the middle of the night and terrorize everyone who lived in the tombs, who cut people, who could not be restrained, who was completely out of control. And what did they say to him? Jesus, we want you to go away. On the face of it, we kind of say, you know, I, I don't get that. Why would they want Jesus to, to go away? There was something they couldn't deal with. And even though it cost maybe a couple million dollars, they, they wanted Jesus to leave. Is there something you need to put down? Is there something you need to get rid of? You see, that's how we are with evil. See, there's evil that people, humans, tend to hold onto and carry and think that they might need it. Let me describe what I mean. In the Garden of Eden, which is where evil enters the scene, right? Right? Satan, as Dallas Willard says, Satan comes to Eve not with a stick, but with an idea. With an idea. Satan comes to Eve, Eve, and he comes to all of us with an idea. And the idea is this. God is holding something back from you. God is keeping you from having something that you need. So you need to hold on to evil. And that's exactly what's happening in this region right here. They're saying, we can't afford Jesus. He's taking, it's a a financial loss, but it's also, we don't want him to deal with the rest of the evil in our community. And that's what he said to Eve. God's holding something back from you. Let me ask you, is there something you don't want Jesus to deal with? Is there something you really don't want Jesus to deal with? Because maybe you feel like, I can't live without my anxiety. I can't live without my lack of faith in God, which is really what anxiety is. I I can't live without my fear. I can't live without my anger. I can't live without my right to overindulge. I can't live without those things. Listen, are you saying to Jesus, no? No. You see, every time we refuse to repent, we're saying to Jesus, "I want you to get back in the boat. I want you to leave me alone." Every time we say to him, "No, I, I need my sin. I, I need that that pornography, or I need that that sense of shading the truth. I need that that ability to kind of." Deal a little shadily in my business. I need that. I, I need that smart aleck remark. I need those things. We're saying to Jesus, Would you please just get back in the boat? You see, when we feel distant from Him, it's because we've refused what He wants to do in our life. How close do you feel to Him today? See Jesus arrive saying, Hey, I I want to I want to remove this evil. And the people say it's gonna cost too much. Or I'm afraid of what's gonna happen if I get rid of this. But watch what happens to the demoniac. He has the opposite reaction. Verse 18. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might go with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Isn't that awesome? Jesus says to him, Listen. My, my will for you, my purpose for you is not to get in this boat and go back with us right now. I rather, I want you to stay, because Jesus was actually working through Jews at the time. I want you to stay in this Gentile region. And what he's saying is, I want you to prepare them for what's about to happen, right? Because Jesus is going to go to the cross, and he's going to disperse his people across the whole region. And this man will have already done the, the legwork, already done the, the previous work among the Decapolis, which is a, a group of ten cities in the area. I want you to go tell them what Jesus has done for you. You see, once Jesus deals with the evil that we've held on to, there's an incredible joy to let others know. There's an incredible desire. I want you to know what he's freed me of. I I want you to know of the burden that I've been able to put down and I've been carrying. I want others to know this. This Jesus can remove it from you if you let him fascinating to me that Jesus gets in the boat and leaves. He doesn't stay on shore and force his way. Right? That's the balance of power of Jesus. On one hand, he has all the power in the world. On the other hand, he will not force it on you. See, the only reason Jesus isn't at work in your life right now is because you said no. And it maybe say no in a very, what you think is a very small way. A very small way. Jesus, I won't do this. Or Jesus, please don't deal with this in my life. God, Jesus, I, I just, I need my anger. I need my anxiety. I, I need these things that make me feel good. I need this. say, Jesus, it's my evil. I want you to take it away. Please remove it from me. What about you? Are you wanting to get in the boat with Jesus? Are you wanting to go tell people what he's done? Or are you saying, Jesus, I need you to leave me alone? Which is it? Which is it? So I want to encourage you today. Jesus came to take away the stuff you don't need. That you don't need to carry anymore. But to do that, you're going to have to let go of a lifestyle that you're used to and understand. A lifestyle that the way you're used to functioning, you're going to have to put your trust in Jesus Christ and say, I'm going to find my refuge in you, Jesus, instead of the refuge in the evil. That's what I'm going to do. I want to find my refuge in Jesus, the author of life, rather than evil who hangs around in the tombs. That's what I want to do. Will you do that Today? you do that today. I want to ask you to bow your heads. Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.